0: And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. Dr. Bob Mueller is my guest. You know, if you've opened the paper or looked on the internet nowadays, you're going to see a tremendous amount of information uh, on narcissism. And I think a lot of it has to do with social media and other social media platforms. And it is getting to be quite a concern and problem. Now, today on the show, Bob is going to talk to us about that. And, and he said, the question is, am I addicted to myself? And that's what we're going to find out about. Bob uh, Muller is a marriage counselor and all around uh, awesome guy. And every time he's on the show, I learn so much. He, he has written a book called Six Hearts of Intimacy. Enjoy deeper love and passion in marriage. He wrote that with his wife, Cheryl, who he married uh, roughly June 16th, 1979. So he's coming up on another anniversary. Bob, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Bill. It's great to be back. Yeah. And you've got a... a Another anniversary coming up with Cheryl, and as you continue your powerful ministry of helping uh, heal uh, people from difficult marriages, I know that narcissism comes up as one of the big problems in relationships.
1: Uh, It certainly does, and
0: maybe that term is
1: thrown around a little too loosely today as it's gotten more popular, but the essence of narcissism is a self-focus where the world is about me and i lack empathy for others Mm -hmm. Uh, their wounds their hurts don't matter much to me what matters is me you know the old saying enough about me let's talk about me (laughs) Um, in in a way that's um all of us struggle with self-focus to one degree or another but narcissism kind of takes it you know to a, a brand new level where um oh goodness they have a, a strong sense of self-importance, maybe fantasies about fame or glory, exaggerating self-abilities, craving admiration, exploiting others, but wow. most of lacking empathy.
0: Yeah, so because that term gets thrown out kind of loosely, oh, he's such a narcissist or that person's such a narcissist, let's maybe do a working definition of what a narcissist truly is. I know there's nine... Uh, characteristics of a narcissism, and I think you have to meet, what, five or six of them to be considered a narcissist?
1: Well, let me give you some of that list. Yes. Um, it is a self-absorbed, arrogant, self-centered person. Uh, basically, things must go their way. Ooh. Uh, they're unsympathetic. They lack empathy. Other needs are not valued or cared about, or they just disregard your feelings. Uh, number three, they're controlling, manipulating, intimidating. They often use demands, commands, and orders. Uh, number four, they employ anger and rage uh, to get people to comply. Uh, they're critical of others. They're resistant to criticism, can't be confronted. I can't be wrong. Any problems are your fault. Uh, often spouse and children are not good enough. They're critical of their children. They're they're critical of their husband or wife to their children, but nobody's quite good enough. And the silent treatment. They refuse to talk to you if you don't agree. Uh, more to the point, they'll end relationships with those who disagree or will not be controlled. So if you see yourself maybe five, four, five, six of those, there could be an issue.
0: Yeah. Well, that list you just went through is uh, pretty pretty hard to listen to. The person you described is not a person that would you'd want to spend a lot of time with.
1: No, in fact, um, you know, I heard one author, or one commentator say that with, with narcissists, there's always a growing body count.
0: Uh, <laughs> I don't mean to that, laugh, but boy, is that a sorry comment?
1: Yeah, in other words, they leave behind them broken relationships, wounded people, uh, not a dangling participle, but a, a, a dangling participation maybe where mm-hmm. they're just withdrawing because you upset them. They often tend to have a real desire to litigate the past. In other words, past grievances, past wrongs, past injustices, they can't let go of them. Um, and they'll go back to them over and over again um and so they want to relitigate the past and then often with that bill is a certain contempt for people maybe people that have offended them or hurt them or disappointed them narcissists tend to be at their worst when they're disappointed or stressed when life is disappointed or people have or they're really stressed out that's when things can turn ugly uh prior to that they can be rather charming mm-hmm. uh, they can be um the kind of the uh the person who well one phrase i heard is they love bomb others to Ooh. begin with what does that mean bob what does love bombing Lo- love bombing they just pour it on okay how great you are gifts invitations um wanting to spend time uh you're the best i've never known anyone so wonderful as you you know let's let's do this together or let's do that um, they're showered with they'll shower other people with compliments, maybe even flattery. It's called love
0: bombing. okay. But when <laughs> things... Only yeah, go ahead. but when things don't go their way, then there's gonna be trouble. Oh, things turn on a dime. <laughs> uh,
1: they become nasty. they become demanding. Um, entitlement is one of the giveaways of a narcissist. They feel that other people, and life in general owes them something. So they can be very demanding. That's where after you've been love-bombed and you kind of buy into the relationship, now all of a sudden you're doing a lot more of the giving and they're taking, doing a lot more of the taking.
0: Mm -hmm. So the anger and the rage, that's a big red flag. And if you see that uh, in any kind of relationship, you're going to want to be very, very careful about how involved you get.
1: Yeah, another term we use for that is turbocharging, which is, if you upset me, I'm going to use anger, control, unrealistic expectations to get you to back off or to submit. And I think we all know people that can be fairly reasonable until you cross them. But then all of a sudden, it's maybe win at any cost. hmm And with that comes anger and rage and uh, control, because most people will back away, will back down, if you will, when confronted with turbocharging.
0: Mm -hmm. And
1: so spouses sometimes are trapped in a marriage where if they cross their spouse, they get turbocharged. Wow. And they learn after a while, no, you don't do that. Mm -hmm. People say that. You know, I remember even as a like fifth grader, sixth grader, I grew up in the Minneapolis area and a friend of mine from school took me to a Twins game. And the dad took us and it's my friend in sixth grade, a younger brother who might have been more towards six or seven, quite a bit younger. And we were leaving the game. The game was over. And we were walking up the steps toward the exit, and somehow the little kid had slipped away, you know, just momentarily. Yeah. And I don't know where he was, but with the people leaving, you couldn't quite see him. The father came up to his son and me with rage in his eyes and in his face, not just worried, but rage, and screamed, where is he? You were supposed to be looking after him. This is your fault. And I remember at the time, like, being shaken. The guy was so, you know, uh, bent out of shape. Classic narcissist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Classical, I should say, narcissistic behavior, which is if something goes wrong, you must find someone to blame. And you must uh, deal a heavy dose of shame. Uh, of anger and rage. You must make them feel worthless for a mission to be accomplished. And I think it's very sad to be in a relationship, friendship, working in an office, maybe a church setting. I've known some who say they are Christians who have behaved that way. Um, they turbocharge other people. But, you know, it's interesting, Bill, underneath it, someone observed that a great number of narcissists were overindulged as children and undernourished or under nurtured I should say overindulged under nurtured in other words they got their way they were allowed to do this they were told they were special whatever but they weren't really loved they really weren't cared for mm-hmm. and they grow up with this desire for validation which is all-consuming you can't understand an, a narcissist unless you know <clears throat> their number one goal in life is to be validated. And they will do anything,
0: including changing reality, uh, in order to be so. Wow. Well, Dr. Bob Moeller is my guest. We're talking about narcissism, and the question is, am I addicted to myself? And we're going to continue our discussion. If you have a question or comment for Bob, let me know what it is. You can text it over eight. 779 332484. Already have one in Bob. It says, Wow, it's like Bob has been living in my house. We're going to take a short break and be right back with Dr. Bob Moeller. Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. When I pray, I love to go to God's Word and pray back to the Father. I love to go in Psalm 103, where I start by praying, "'Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all His benefits.'" who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I always think if I start talking to God with his words, I let him start the conversation. That's always the way that I love to pray. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. Welcome back to the show. Dr. Bob Moeller is my guest. We're talking about narcissism today. And we defined narcissism as someone self-absorbed, unsympathetic, controlling, manipulating, full of anger and rage, critical of others. Uh, Your spouse, your kids, they're never good enough. And then... You give the silent treatment if, and you refuse to talk if you don't agree. And boy, that ends relationship in a fast way. All right, Bob, now I want to talk a little bit about silent treatment because what's the upside to that if you're choosing not to communicate when communication needs to happen?
1: Well, silent treatment is really a form of manipulation in which now um, you are in essence withdrawing um your availability to resolve this issue um you are punishing the other person for their transgressions you are devaluing them by refusing to respond to their words it's as if they're invisible and no matter what they ask say or plead um because you have been wounded and no one wounds the king Mm -hmm. Uh, you're not going to grant them access to you until they've repented. Wow. Uh, until they have become uh, submitted to you once again.
0: Well, that's kind of icky. That's really, really icky.
1: <laughs> well, it is. It's very unloving. Yes. And it it's certainly is not uh, consistent at all with, say, Ephesians chapter 4, which you know tells us... Um, just turn there for a moment it says basically we're to get rid of some things in our lives um let me read it to you uh don't let the sun uh go down in your anger while you're still angry and don't let the devil uh gain a foothold don't let any unwholesome talk come uh, out of your mouth but only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs Notice that's other focus. Mm-hmm. and it may benefit those who listen. And then it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So the narcissist goes, No, <laughs> no, that list doesn't apply to me. May mm-hmm. apply to you. You need to follow that, but you're the one who makes mistakes. Yeah. You're the one who creates tensions in this marriage. Mm -hmm. You're the one who, I'm sorry, just um, the problems are all yours. Um, One of the things a narcissist cannot do, at least without the help of the Holy Spirit, is they cannot believe another person's reality. In other words, all of us have our own, I guess, sense of reality. And hopefully most of us are fairly in touch with reality day to day. But my reality might be different from yours based on my upbringing, the hurts I've experienced in life, the way I've been treated. And so my reality might not exactly match yours. But a narcissist isn't interested in understanding your reality. Now, I'm not saying it's your truth, my truth, that foolishness. Now, there is truth and not truth, but I'm talking about the way people see the world. You know, if you were abused growing up, physically, verbally, sexually, you're going to be very sensitive Mm to somebody who's invalidating you or appears to be devaluating you. And that's your reality because you were devalued and you were devalued to the point of almost destruction. So if your husband says something that may sound dismissive and you react to it, Well, the husband could go, well, I'm sorry, that's such an overreaction, and you're so way out of bounds, and you have problems, and you really need help, not me. You know, just very dismissive and condescending, as opposed to saying, I know you have been hurt badly, and I'm afraid I just contributed to that, though I I, I certainly did not want to. Can you tell me what I said or did? that was so hurtful to you and and can you tell me how to say it in a way that wouldn't be hurtful to you Mm. or do something see that that's a loving response it sure is it's saying your reality has been shaped by your experience and i care about that Mm -hmm. i want to understand it and i don't want to mock you or belittle you or judge you because of it instead i want to care about you
0: Mm Dr. Bob Muller is my guest. You can learn more about Bob at 4keepsministries.com, F-O-R-K-E-E-P-S, ministries.com, 4keepsministries.com. We're talking about narcissism today. I already have someone on the text line, Bob, wanting to know, is there a difference between how men behave versus women?
1: Um in 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 classic narcissism i don't believe there's a great deal of difference i have known women narcissists who will shame uh feel entitled will punish you for your transgressions will use rage and anger i i do believe that men are perhaps more given to anger mm mm-hmm. One author I read said, if there's a weakness among women, it's complaining. If there's a weakness among men, it's anger. Okay. And I don't know if that's exactly true, but you know, you you can see where someone would draw that conclusion. Mm -hmm. Women might be more prone to complaint. Uh, Men might be more prone to anger. But is there a real difference at the end of the day, the lack of empathy, the sense of entitlement, the attempt to control, I think they usually go both ways.
0: Hmm. All right, Bob, let's talk about the narcissist. And I mean, is there hope? Is there, well, hope, is there hope to change?
1: <laughs> Again, I am not a therapist or a licensed psychologist. I want to be very clear to listeners today, I'm a pastor. Uh, but I would say this: that in the pop, in the in the professional popular literature, from what I've studied, they say there's no hope.
0: Oh Unfortunately,
1: I mean, I've talked to therapists who go, "No, don't even try. Um, no, not going to work." And you know, if you were to Google "narcissist today" uh, and "is there hope," it'd be interesting to see what would come up. Mm-hmm. You know, in terms of articles, most would say no. I don't agree with that by the way, and one reason is perhaps one of the greatest Christians of all time was a certified card carrying, uh, full blown national anthem singing narcissist, and that was the Apostle Paul. (laughs) Um, Just think about the Apostle Paul and his life before he met Jesus. Okay. yeah, Um, he was angry. He was controlling. Uh, he was filled with rage. He, he saw everybody else as wrong in the world. Mm-hmm. And he was right. Uh, he showed no mercy or empathy toward those he had arrested. He admitted he had them put in prison. He held the clothes of the people who stoned Stephen to death. And the Bible says clearly he gave his approval. If there was ever a man self absorbed, uh, if there was ever a man that lacked empathy, if there was ever a man who turbocharged to the degree of actually taking the lives of others, it was the Apostle Paul. Now, I want listeners to consider this. The same man who did all those things also wrote the love chapter mm. in First Corinthians 13. The same man that Jesus had to knock to his knees on the road to Damascus uh, because, and say, why are you persecuting me? And the the thought had never dawned on Paul that he could be wrong. Well, who are you, Lord? I mean, what, what's going on? What am I doing here? But then eventually, of course, uh, he came to repentance. Um, it was really an amazing story. In fact, just let me um, read a very short portion of that. Um, As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground, heard a voice say, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. I mean, this is so typical, if you will, of narcissists, is that they can't see anything about how they're acting. They can't see what they've been doing. They they can't comprehend that they might have been wrong. And the only power in this world, I believe, that is strong enough efficacious to use a theological term that can make it work is the lord jesus but he turned paul completely around as i say into the man who wrote love is patient (laughs) kind (laughs) keeps no record of wrongs long suffering um this is the same man Hmm. so yes i do believe there's hope but if i could put it In these terms, it will take a Damascus Way experience.
0: Okay, that's really helpful and really encouraging. And Bob, I I have to say, I've not connected those dots before that Paul was possibly uh, a a narcissist. And then he writes the chapter on love. So let me take a short break. We're talking to Dr. Bob Moeller. You can learn more about him at 4keepsministries.com. And narcissism is our topic today. If you've got a question or a comment, the text line is open 877-933-2484, 877 933 and we'll be right back with Dr. Bob Moeller. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good. I wanted you to hear it again, so enjoy.
1: Time, time. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the afternoon show with Bill Arno.
0: I'm back with Dr. Bob Moeller, and today we're discussing narcissism. And there's a lot of interested people on the text line, Bob. That are very curious about um, what we're talking about, which is always good. And unfortunately, there's people that are expressing uh, being involved with narcissists, and of course, that's difficult to deal with. Um, A listener said a year ago, our daughter married a man that we feared at the time was a narcissist. He has not allowed her to come and visit us at our home. He's angry with us because we couldn't give him our blessing for marrying our daughter. The only way to have a relationship with him seems to be uh, to keep things very superficial and pretend. My husband doesn't think as Christians it's okay to pretend. I just want to maintain a relationship with our daughter.
1: Yes, well, there's a lot of sadness and sorrow contained in that there short is. paragraph. Um, in terms of what parents should do, uh, we all have to have boundaries in life in terms of relationships that you know there's an old saying good fences make good neighbors and there is a sense in which if you have a narcissist for a son-in-law or a daughter daughter-in-law for example you may have to have some boundaries for example they can't go off in anger on you or something like that 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 can't happen twice um if you have to limit your discussion to things that may even seem superficial may seem at the moment small talk or trite. If that's the only bridge you have left, I would keep that bridge. I would not burn it. Um, you don't have to be disingenuous and you don't have to be a fake. You simply will treat your son-in-law as if he is someone that you've just recently met that you don't know well. Maybe just somebody you've, you've been introduced to in a group at a at a church function or somewhere. You don't know him very well, so you're not presuming a level of social interaction or um, communication that's built on a deeper bond. Um, I know that may- that's disappointing because, hey, she's married to my daughter and will have my grandchildren. I get that. Mm-hmm. But there's often a difference between the social legal relationships that we have with people and the friendship or intimacy we have with them and if he's a narcissist probably he is going to want to control the agenda he's going to want to control the narrative in your family that may be frustrating but remember your daughter still needs you she still desperately needs your love and no one's paying a bigger price for being involved with a narcissist than she is you need to pray for her and if there are children for them as well
0: hmm Thank you for that, Dr. Bob Muller. Let's go back to uh, what? how does narcissism, does it grow out of a, a woundedness uh, in early life?
1: There's often a traumatic element to this, where as a child there's been, as I say, a basic lack of uh, love. There's been a basic lack of nurture. There may be traumatic events that have occurred. Um, as I said, most narcissists are seriously under nurtured to the point of deprivation. And so they spend the rest of their life nurturing themselves, <laughs> which, you know, <laughs> I don't care how you want to twist that. It doesn't come out healthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To care for ourselves in a, in a, yeah, there's a certain level in which we have to care for ourselves is. Uh, Paul says, we should care for our wives as we care for our own body. You know, there's a level of self-care. But at that point, they are going to reconstruct reality. So they are an amazing person. They are gifted. They are loved. They are are adored. They are the center of the universe. And all this is an attempt at self-validation because as a child, they felt so non-validated, so devalidated. Mm-hmm. And that triggers something in the human heart where you construct, we were talking about alternate realities, this is where they, they create their own reality, where they are everything uh, that anybody could want to be. And they're attempting to, um, to create this world that wasn't there for them. And it will take, like the apostle Paul, Um, something like this. Let Let me just read this one paragraph. Paul goes to Damascus. Ananias is sent there, placing his hands on Paul, chapter 9, verse 17. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales from Saul's eyes fell off And he could see again that bill is what has to happen
0: yeah the
1: scales have to fall off um narcissists are not born they are made and i think that's something we need to realize they're not born they're made and so a combination of things what they did receive like for example an overindulged child is overindulged because it makes the parent feel good It isn't for the child's sake. It's Mm -hmm. so the parent can feel good. And the child instinctively knows that, that you're doing this not because I really deserve this, but because it does something for you. And in a number of cases, parents have bonded in an unhealthy way with the child for their own needs. So they overindulge them, but they're not receiving true love. They're not receiving the real type of love that a parent should be offering a child, which is not indulgence and flattery and entitlement, but it's it's loving. Well, in um, first, sec- first Thessalonians chapter 2, it says mothers should treat their children if they're dear to them, should s- share their very lives with them, should be gentle with them. It says fathers should be encouraging, comforting urging them to live lives worthy of god if you want wonderful descriptions of biblical parenthood it's in the second chapter of first thessalonians see that kind of love produces very healthy children Mm -hmm. but a self-focused love and i guess we're talking about a parent that may be narcissistic does produce a narcissist or can
0: Mm -hmm. bob is narcissism a possible side effect of an only child you talked about overindulging. I think, well, if you have one child, you, there's a tendency that a child gets an inordinate amount of attention
1: because yeah. there's no
0: brothers and sisters. Right.
1: I wouldn't say it's a one for one type of thing. Okay. Uh, I don't know that anyone's more at risk because of that. Yes, you have one child, but that doesn't mean you'll indulge them. It doesn't mean you'll flatter them. It doesn't mean what we used to call spoiling a child. Uh, I know many only children that are so healthy wonderful uh giving people and i know people raised in large families that are incredibly narcissistic Mm -hmm. so i I don't think that that it could be a obviously you could see a danger there but i think it all has to do with you know the the spiritual and and mental well-being of the parent as opposed to the number of children
0: Mm mm-hmm All right, i got one more comment, uh, and then I'd like to move on to some things that narcissists can do to change, because I want this to be a hopeful hour. Uh, Listeners said, 14 months ago, my narcissist husband left home in turbocharged event. Three days later, he said that he was coming home, and I said no. He told our adult children that he left because I was having an affair, and now the children will not have a relationship with me, and that's an awfully sad situation as well.
1: Well, again, they love to control the narrative, don't they? They sure do. And so the only way um they not only want to control what you think about them, uh, they want to control um what others think about you. Oh you know, you know? <laughs> so they're not content just controlling you, they want to control what others think about you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so in this case rather than admit that he had a rage and anger problem and was turbocharging, he instead blame shifts and says, well, it's because your mother is unfaithful because she's a person of such uh, a low character. Wow. And uh, sadly, the children bought into that, but I just want listeners to remember there's a God in heaven and he sits upon the throne and he observes the sons of men. And he will not allow a lie to stand forever. He will not allow things to go on. You know, the scripture says, "Will not the judge of all the earth do right. Mm -hmm. And we have to have a confidence in that. Yeah. You know, in the short term, people can get away with stuff like that. But in the long term, the truth comes out. Mm -hmm. The truth. Someone once says lies have short legs. They can't travel very far. That's so true. And so in this case, she needs to just simply commend this to God and say, Lord, you know the truth. You know what's going on here in your time and in your way, uh, reveal it. Mm -hmm. Until then, I will not retaliate. I will not return evil for evil to my husband. I will not even try and divide our children over this. Uh, David said, my salvation and honor belong to you, O Lord. And many a times in my life, and maybe you have done the same, and our listeners, I've had to leave my reputation to God. Mm-hmm. And um, he is a faithful God. And he says he will make the light dawn for the righteous and for the upright. And so we just have to wait till morning comes.
0: Mm-hmm. So good. Dr. Bob Muller is my guest. We're talking about narcissism. And now I'm going to hopefully shift the conversation to something extremely positive, especially if you live with a narcissist. And that is 10 things narcissists can do to change. Bob, help us out it with these. Should...
1: Well, yes. And I have to give credit where it's due. There is online a, uh, a psychiatrist, psychologist, uh, Dr. Romani, who had a video on 10 things narcissists can do. I don't know if she's a believer or not. I don't know what else she teaches. So I'm not um, authenticating or vouching for everything she might have said. However, I listened to this and it all sounded very consistent with scripture uh, to me, especially Philippians 2, which says, Look not only to your own interests, but the interests of others. You know, a very other focused person. Here's she- 10 things she said Be mindful. In other words, number one, be self-aware all the time. Narcissists react when they're stressed or disappointed. So slow down. Now, if you think you're a narcissist or have those tendencies, pay attention to how you listen, speak, respond, how your words and actions may impact people in real time. Consider other people's feeling. Pause before you hit the send button on that email. I love that. You know, Just before you send send, you know, the zinger,
0: mm-hmm. whatever.
1: Stop and ask, really, what's going to be the result? Of. Number two, eliminate the word but from your apologies. When you're apologizing, say, but you did this,
0: but. Yeah. It's not an apology.
1: It's not an apology, it's a justification. Yeah. Give defensive and argumentative. Okay. Number three, get help for your family issues. She says that depression, anxiety, anger, ADD, PD, and other things can all feed into narcissism. In other words, there's other things going on that might, remember, narcissists are not born, they're made. Mm-hmm. Some of these things can push you that direction. Number four, focus on gratitude. Uh, see other people and their contribution rather than taking them for, gratitude, for granted. Set entitlement aside. That's Number a big five, one. Yeah. Focus on meaning and purpose. She quotes Dr. Viktor Frankl, who said, Suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds meaning. And um, she said that even if you're going through a hard time, if it has meaning, if you can find purpose, and of course, for the believer, even in our suffering, we find meaning if we're following the Lord Jesus and being faithful. Number six, learn to make amends in an authentic manner. You've hurt far more people than you know. Insults, invalidations, gaslighting, family ruptures, workplace issues. Um, Learn to authentically make amends as opposed to saying, well, I did this. Now, why don't you admit you did that? Um, Instead, go back and say, "Um, I did it. I feel sorrow that I did it with God's help. I won't do it again. Um, I wanna make this right. Will you accept my apology An authentic uh, amends? Number seven, create new responses in your life. Narcissists take out their disappointments on other people. And so instead of doing that, uh, don't personalize everything. If you need an outlet, for your anger or for your distress, try prayer. <laughs> I'm adding that
0: one. <laughs> I love that. Bob, let me take a, let me take a break at sure. this point because we need to uh, take a short step away. Dr. Bob Moeller is my guest, and we are talking about narcissism. If you just joined us, and right now we are a 7 out of 10 of 10 things narcissists can do to change. So if you missed any of this, you're going to want to hear it from the beginning. We'll be right back with Dr. Bob Moeller. You can learn more about him at 4
1: Thanks so much for listening to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. If you enjoy what you're finding here, consider subscribing to some of our other Faith Radio podcasts, like mine, for instance. You can search Suzy Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe
0: and have a great day. Hi, this is Bill. I thought this interview was so good, I wanted you to hear it again. So enjoy. I am back with Dr. Bob Moeller. We're talking about narcissism today, and we're really at a nice point in in the discussion where we're learning about things narcissists can do to change. So you have All of our attention, Bob, because people who are living with narcissists or maybe suspect they are one themselves would love to hear this information.
1: Well, we were talking about creating new responses. Number seven, take a break, step away before you speak, count to 10, don't personalize things. In other words, just learn to respond differently than the way you typically do. Because typically it's shaming, controlling, raging, turbocharging, whatever, manipulating. Um, Number eight, take responsibility. Uh, Narcissists try and cover their tracks with denial and deceit. Good leaders, good partners and spouses take responsibility. Uh, They allow themselves to be accountable. They take ownership for what they did to hurt people. Number nine, engage in self-compassion rather than self-promotion what does that mean engage in self okay be kind to yourself be empathetic to your own hurts and wounds um in a way that is not self absorbed and self pity but recognizes yes i've been hurt okay um express sorrow if you will you know articulate your sorrow over something that has happened that's very healthy to do um Jesus was a man of sorrows. He expressed sorrow, and and when he was hurt deeply about things, and that doesn't hurt anyone. Um, you know, self promotion is just another way of, I'll make up for my hurts by getting more hits at my website, having more followers or likes, making more money than anyone else or sales. It's just again superficial ways of self validation. Grow in mindfulness. Um, And that is, don't always ask yourself what happens next. One of the things narcissists do that propels them is they're always thinking about the next step. Uh, What can I get from this person? What will this decision do to advance me or my goals? As opposed to, am I really aware of the people around me and the needs they have? Um, Can I read you something? Very quickly, that John Wesley would. It was called his covenant prayer. And just consider the, well, what we talk about here, true mindfulness toward the Lord. He prayed this. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you. Let me be laid aside for you. Laid aside, exalted for you, brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now, glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. You know, that's really putting ourselves in the hands of God. Jesus is truly Lord, if we can pray that way. And that's so the opposite of me being lord which is uh, you know obvious narcissism mm-hmm. um instead of validating others uh, i'll throw in a couple for free here instead of val- invalidating uh yourself validate others give up on entitlement give up on arrogance let other people be in charge stop rage impulsivity turn down the volume and anger um instead of validating yourself work on validating others so um, that's the list. Those are things that you can do if you find you're struggling. And, you know, whether we are think we may be narcissistic or not, that's an awfully good list for all of us.
0: So true. Um, Dr. Bob Moeller is my guest, and we're talking about narcissism. And a question that came in, uh, are narcissists made by parents who are narcissists, and so on, and so on, and so on? Can be. Okay. Can be,
1: often, often. It's a pattern of behavior that's inherited. Uh, On the other hand, you can have, um, well, look at the prodigal son. Uh, He had a wonderful father, and he was a classic narcissist. (laughs) He -hmm. left home. He he was going to control his own life. He didn't care who he hurt. He didn't care about the disgrace. He didn't care about the people he left behind. None of that mattered except himself. Mm -hmm. But isn't that another wonderful example of the fact that Narcissists can change.
0: Yeah. Bob, do narcissi- narcissists just hang up the phone instead of saying goodbye? If, if things aren't going the way they like, they just hang up. Well,
1: again, if control is your primary objective, that's an effective way to
0: do it. Mm-hmm.
1: Is I'm going to control this situation, and so I'll end it when I want to.
0: Right, right. Another listener said, I know someone uh, like that, a good friend of mine, and he's not saved. But I still continue to be his friend and pray for him. Is there anything I can do to help him with that or just wait until he accepts the Lord? Well,
1: I think you modeling other focused, other people focused behavior. I think you living out a lifestyle where Jesus truly is Lord in your life. I've heard many, many people brought to repentance by the example of others. Paul tells wives in 1 Peter chapter 3, you can win your husband over without words, you know, by the conduct of your life, you know, your reverence and purity. So, yes, you know, you can pray for his uh, or their their conversion, that the scales will fall off their lives eyes, but also you can win them without words by the way in which you live your life in a... Uh, very other focused way. Mm
0: -hmm. What about saying you're sorry? If you never say you're sorry, might you tend to be a little narcissistic? Well,
1: that's a classic trait. They'd never have to apologize because they're never wrong. So uh, they would actually feel they were being invalid to... (laughs) They feel they'd be disingenuous to apologize. But other times, um, people who were raised in an environment where they never heard apologies, only shame may believe that to admit you're partially wrong means you're entirely wrong. That everything about you is wrong. And those people sometimes struggle apologizing because to them, you're giving away the whole store. Ooh.
0: But what, but what if you are wrong?
1: (laughs) Well, (laughs) if you are wrong, you just simply need to admit it. And, uh, uh, say that you are sorry. Um, you know, I think, well, I, well, let me put it this way many relationships that are in jeopardy today, particularly where there's narcissistic behavior, the question has to be answered are you more interested in caring about the pain of others or are you more upset with their sins? Um, in other words, one of the ways that we can get beyond our narcissism is to care about other people's pains rather than listing their faults in order, alphabetically, Ooh. you know, emphasize. Right. That's good. And that's what Jesus did. Jesus did that. He, when he met the woman at the well, when he met uh, uh, Zacchaeus and others, he knew there was sin. And can anyone say Jesus was soft on sin? Really? But he started with their pain and by caring about their pain first, they saw their sin. And you could argue Zacchaeus was a narcissist in what he was doing robbing his own people, uh, stealing from innocent families, widows, others, collecting money for himself. That's pretty hard hearted. Yeah. And of course, the at the well was very, her heart had become very calloused toward um, immorality and wrong and whatever. But Jesus cared about their pain. Then he addressed their sin. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic.
1: And I. Think, that, that that's what we need to
0: do yeah bob it's always a delight to have you on the show thank you so much for dealing with this topic in such an artful way i thought you did an amazing job and i so appreciate it well thank you very much you bet dr bob muller has been my guest you can learn more about him at four keeps that wraps up our show for the day and for the week thank you for supporting faith radio see you next week